In today's episode, David and Clark get into how a scaled real estate portfolio can often work harder than we can ourselves. We discuss why high income has little relationship to wealth and can often be an unsustainable transient time in one's life, subject to high levels of entropy. But why do so few high income earners build meaningful wealth and high residual income in their lives? There is a price to be paid in building meaningful passive income and net worth through real estate investing. Conversely, there's a price to be paid for ignoring the future or being far too conservative. Clark and David discuss these topics and outline a clear vision and actions that you can take in your life so that your future will be abundant to be lived on your own terms. So let's get right into it. Welcome to Burn Your Boats podcast. Burn the Boats is an often used metaphor for a positive change in direction and moving forward in the face of adversity. To burn your boats is to build a new reality, not using the tools, people, or existing behaviors holding you back from your life's real dreams and ambitions. As real estate investors, having interviewed thousands of successful professionals from all walks of life, Clark and David have identified freedom from financial anxiety as a top priority for many. There is a path to crafting this new life you seek. It starts with thinking differently, learning new skills, and how to say no. Let's elevate your vision of a wealthy financial future where you live life in control of your time and energy. Achieving financial freedom is often a choice, and for most, we must exit our comfort zone and burn our boats to achieve it. This podcast strives to identify pivotal moments and milestones in life that will help set you in a new direction where future you will look back and recognize the moment everything changed. All right, everybody, welcome to Burn Your Boats Podcast 2. Let's do it. Listen, we want to take you on a journey to create meaningful wealth and income in your life. That, that's what this podcast is about. And we want to discuss that journey. Um, living in, there's so many people out there living in financial anxiety um, to living life entirely on your own terms. But there's a lot of podcasts out there that do that. Of course. You know, they, um, they, you know, they make it look easy or they make, it, they make you seem like a failure if you're not making $100 million a year. So we want to try and make this more relatable and achievable um, and actionable and um, with simple steps that 100% work, that like create wealth for real. And um, so if you have the drive and the ambition uh, to actually enjoy the journey of life in the knowledge that one day you're going to be good in all economic cycles, things go good, you're going to make money. Things go bad. You're going to make money. You, you don't have to sweat the small stuff. So that's what this podcast is all going to be about, is that you enjoy the journey in the knowledge that you're going to go somewhere in your life. And that one day you're going to gain total control over all of your time and, more importantly, your precious energy. So with that being said, let's get going on podcast two. Um, you know, let's just... Let's dive in, David. Let's dive in. That's we, all we, we can we, do. 
the, the best way we can help you uh, understand what that journey looks like from financial insecurity to financial security is to talk about ourselves, talk about our own journey for a moment. We won't bore you with it. No. But, you know, Clark, why don't you tell me a little bit about your journey, like why you're sitting here, why we're having a podcast about, you know, financial anxiety to uh, lack thereof. Yeah, and I'll, I'll try and keep it. I'll give you the the thirty second version. The, okay. Like we're in an elevator right now. So, um, you know, I I kind of started my journey. Uh, grew up normal childhood, a uh, bit of a white picket fence family. Had had great um, great parents, and uh, you know they they came to my soccer games and uh, they cared about me making good grades. Um, but kind of went through all of that. Went to college got a degree in something I thought I was never going to use again. And ironically, it was in broadcasting and I sit behind the uh, microphone here. But ultimately, I knew um, that I liked sales. I like to be able to kind of control my own destiny. Okay. And I knew that if I worked harder, I would probably make more money. And then after I did that for a while, I was like, okay, but I'm still dependent right on a boss, on a company, on their guidelines. And um, one of the things that I noticed was that when I was in uh, college, uh, I lived in a um, house with seven other guys, and um, the we all rented by the room, right? So we paid like three or four hundred bucks per room times seven, right? So it's twenty five hundred bucks, let's call it. And I remember talking to the landlord when I was getting my deposit back uh, at the end of my senior year, and he, we were just talking. I was like, you know, how long have you owned this house? And he goes, oh, I've had it for like ten or fifteen years. And he goes, yeah, I bought it like like 15 years ago for like 70 grand and I've had it paid off. And, I, and like a light bulb went off in my head and I was like, this guy is making like two grand a month on this junky, shitty college house that he barely ever fixed anything for. And like a light bulb went off at that moment. And I was like, I need to start doing that. So I immediately went out when I graduated college, lived with my parents for a couple months, figured out that, hey, that I need to kind of quickly move on from that. And I bought my first house and I kept my job. I had a normal W-2 job for the for the first 10 years outside of college um, because so I was when you're 22, 23. 24. Yeah, I was 22. I yeah. came out of college. I, I got a, a job working for a home improvement company and I was a W-2. OK, and uh, I didn't just come out and just create some amazing idea for a business to do it. And nor did I have the balls to do it, to be quite honest. I just followed the normal journey. You graduate college, you go out and you get a, a corporate job. Right. Uh, it wasn't quite corporate, but it was very similar. And basically I worked on that. But I, I noticed that I was buying a property. I was living in it right for a couple of years and then I would buy another property. I would live in it. I would put roommates in the, the property that I was renting out and I was doing such little work. And I was actually like, it wasn't very hard. It wasn't very it's stressful. eye-opening, isn't it? it? It was completely eye-opening. And I didn't have to do much, right? But, but in my 9 to 5 W-2 job, I'm working my ass off, right? Like I'm, I'm working hard. I'm spending long hours at the office. I'm trying to better myself. And then over here, this little side business thing is just like slowly working behind the scenes. The values are going up. The rents are going up a little bit. And my mortgage is going down. And I'm making a couple hundred bucks a month. And then you added a couple houses on that. And, and I got, finally got to the point where I was like, this, I, I need to be able to do this full time. But it was like an aha moment. So that's kind of what led me to my journey is that college house, talking to this landlord in Stillwater, Oklahoma, that was making two, th where have you heard $2,000 a month cash flow, Dave? You see those deals out there right now? Uh, not unless I'm buying a large multifamily. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to give you a $70,000 house you're going to make two grand a month that's on, right? right? It doesn't exist, right? And it didn't exist for him either. 
because he bought it 15 years prior, right? Yeah. But over time, let it do its thing. So that was like the light bulb that went off. And then I slowly grew the confidence, got some experience, and then made the, the leap. And that, that in kind of an, in a short way is, is kind of put me to where I'm at uh, today. And it's led to a lot of other things. But that, that kind of gave me, it literally is just like a, a light bulb went off. I'm like, if this guy can do it. If this guy can yeah. have a crappy house that yeah. he doesn't care about, where he barely fixes faucets, uh, when we complain, he deals with tenants, I know I sure as hell can do it. So that's that's what led to me. Uh, what about you? Kind of kind of paint the picture for us. Yeah, my, 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 my journey is slightly different um, in that, you know, growing up in Ireland, um, I wasn't from a poor family. I wasn't from a wealthy family. Is you know, my... My parents were very much blue collar, working class, and if I wanted anything nice in life uh, whatsoever, I had to go get it myself. Right. And so I had the, I, I I had a work ethic when I was, you know, early on in my early on in my life. Like I'm talking about eight or nine. I was the most industrious kid in the neighborhood. I was out there mowing lawns, you, you know, <laughs> cleaning windows, you know, picking fruit nearby in, in, in nearby farms and stuff like that. So yeah, I was industrious as all hell, and I, you know, I, I realized that I kind of was my whole life, and so. But that's the spirit. That's like it sounds like you had the entrepreneurial spirit from a very early. I wasn't out mowing lawns, creating. You you were starting your own little business if you're picking. Well, if I wanted anything nice, you know, yeah. my mom was going to get me like the Target shoes or the right. Walmart shoes. They, that's that's what was coming my way, and right. there's nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. perfectly great. But if I wanted the Adidas shoes, right. if I wanted the Nikes, you know, I was going to have to go out and bridge the gap myself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so but that lit uh, a fire under my belly, and um, that that uh, quite honestly is. Staying with me my entire life and so that went right through my teens I always worked in bars I worked in restaurants I never stopped working you yeah. know and um, you know we're talking about the journey um, right. and I'm going to parrot a little bit what you said you know I went to university I went to you know you know followed the normal path from there on out and you know got a job and we're going to be talking a lot about this today yeah. it's like you know those first jobs and what income is you know but you know to your point as well I, I, I kind of stumbled into real estate investing uh, a friend of mine said you know you should you should really think about you know investing in real and this is back in 1997 and because i had a few dollars in my pocket and i did and the same aha you know made itself very very clear to me i was like hold on here i'm working my tail off you know i'm you know i'm 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 going to work i give it you know 50 hours you know all the stress and anxiety of work uh, all associated with it um all my time probably more importantly and, um, you know, I got to like 2002 and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Quite frankly, this was just, a, a, you know, a, a, a one-off purchase. Got to 2002, I said, you know, I, I, it, I could see that it had made money and it was, you know, creating cash flow. Dummy here sold it, you know, thinking uh, uh, that was great, you know. Of course. But in, that, in, in me selling it, I realized, wow, you know, we just made $97,000. You know, that, and I did pretty much nothing. Right. You know, bought it and, you know, I learned a few lessons along the way, but... That was an aha moment for me in terms of, you know, getting into real estate and, and, and understanding where my career was was best you know, focused. Right. In that I, could, I could very, very clearly see that, and, and we're going to talk about this a bit as well, I could very clearly see fairly early on in my life that work represented 99% of my, of my available free time yeah. outside of living and, right. you know, but actually going to work every day. But this other real estate thing represented like one or two percent right. of my working day, um, in, in the point that like I, I would I would lean into it maybe for an hour or two hours a month, and I like I, I started looking at ROI. I was like, oh my god! Yeah. So that was like I I I, I could 
hear it screaming at me. It's like, you need to get into real estate. You need to get into right. real estate. And for me, you know, what does that mean, even getting into real estate? Yeah. You can't just, like, there's a million real estate. Right. What is, what is that? What yeah. does that mean? So for a lot of people, they say, well, I'm going to go out and get my real estate license. I would say most people, right? That, that's kind of like the, the initial thing. It's like, you should get into real estate. What's the first thing you do? You get your license. What do you, what do you have to say to that? Well, you know, there's that, that, that's a way in, yeah. right? Like it, whatever opens the door for you. You know, I personally am really not interested in driving. Society's, society says that's, that's your way in. No, I don't even think so. No, I just think that that's the lowest moat. You know, you go and you, you know, yeah. take four or five weeks of your time. You do a real estate course. Right. You, you know, it's, I think it's just the, the lowest, easiest way in the door. But right. at that point in time, you know, there, there's a thousand real estates. It's in careers in real estate. Right. You can be a real estate lawyer. Yeah. You can be an engineer. You can be a, you know, a, a realtor. You can be a mortgage advisor. You right. can be a hard money lender. You can be a, a contractor. You can be like there, there's real. There's so many different routes right. that that bring you into like it represents twenty thirty percent of the of the economy. Yeah. So there's so many different routes you know into real estate. But you know the idea of a realtor. Um, and their view of real estate being the same as, let's say, a multifamily investor. Yeah. They're, they're both in real estate. It's apples and oranges. Oh, it's you know, yeah. black and white, yeah. you know, what, what they're actually doing. Right. But being a, being a real estate agent is a great way to get in the door. But what I do want to talk about is, is what have we observed in our lives? You know, we got into real estate because we could see clearly that owning, owning real estate was working harder for us then we were working for ourselves. Right. As in, you're getting up in the morning, eating your breakfast, leaving the house at 7 o'clock, yep. getting on a train or a commute. Fighting traffic. Fighting yep. traffic, doing yep. all that, dealing with a boss, dealing with meetings, yep. and all that kind of stuff. And when you're young and you've got the energy, that's fine, yep. right? But when, in hindsight, you start looking back and you're like, wow, what? You know, all of the time and all of the energy that I'm putting into this versus the lack of time and lack of energy I'm putting into real estate, right. it's just very clearly obvious that, yeah. and then you start looking at, you know, I can get wealthy here. Right. This is a route to wealth. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about today is what have we observed in our lives about making money and then converting that money, that income, um, into wealth. Like that's, that's the main thrust of, of our conversation today. So let's talk about what is income and what is wealth. Clark, what's income mean to you and what does wealth mean to you? I mean, we could, we could phrase it many different ways, right? It just, as you were talking, it, it kind of made me feel a little bit like what is income, what is wealth is kind of like working harder versus working smarter, right? Like income, the, the harder I work, prob hopefully the more I make, the less I work, the less I make, right? So it's just how hard are you willing to work? How many days are you willing to get up and, and go to the office at 7.30 and, you know, walk up uphill both ways to, to work every day? Um, and so it's just dependent on you. It's not really dependent on anyone else. No one else is going to get up and go to work in your place and go work for you and, and make that sale or do whatever it is that, that your job is. Um, on the wealth side, it, you can stop. You can be sleeping. And guess what? There's, there's little mini businesses working in the background while you're sleeping, while you're sitting on the beach, while you're enjoying a, a day with your family. And ultimately, I think that it comes down to are you leveraging – are you trading something other than your time? for uh, what you put into it, right? And so for me, income is always, it's, it's, not a, it's a very finite thing, right? You can only earn income so many years of your life. And we talked a little bit about this off, off camera um, about you, you, have, you hit a certain age 
where society starts to say, uh, you're, you're a little bit older. I think I'm going to hire someone younger. And, um, you know, you have a very finite amount of time to earn the amount of income that you want, that you think that you're, you're valued at, right? Wealth doesn't care how old you are. Does it? Does, does wealth does care? Does it care what color you are, it what does, religion you have, or it, where you're from, where or you live, or if you're ugly, or fat, or skinny, doesn't or good-looking, right? Doesn't care. Um, and so I think that ultimately we all want wealth, right? But we have to be able to make some very strategic moves and make some sacrifices to get to that point. So when, when we have the question, which is what does income and wealth, and what have we maybe seen other very, very high wealth earners, high wealth individuals, what are the, some of the things they have? The first thing that comes to my mind is delayed gratification. You, you, you make a small sacrifice today for the reward tomorrow, right? And tomorrow may be a week from now, a month from now, five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever that is. So to me, the first thing that jumps out, and, and I look at it with a lot of people that are much more successful than I am, is that they're constantly putting uh, resources back into their business. They're constantly putting money back into their real estate, whatever the business may be, instead of always taking the chips off the table. So that, that to me, delayed gratification jumps out. And there's a couple more, but I, I'm interested to hear what, what's the first thing that, that pops out of your head? You've talked to many, many successful people. What is the common theme that you're seeing with them? All right. So I have. I, I, I just just if, if you're listening to this and you're learning a little bit about Clark and I for the very first time, um, I flipped, you know, probably 700, 750 houses at this point in my life. Um, I've been a hard money lender. We were talking about ways right. to get into real estate. Hard money lending is one of them. So um, wait, wait, hold on. You flipped 750 houses. Yeah. I yeah. want to let that sink in. How, how many people do you know have flipped 750 houses? I don't think it's extraordinary at all, but um, I know a few, but they're, yeah. they're, not, they're, not, they're not everywhere, you know? And you haven't jumped off a bridge yet. Which is <laughs> <true>. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I've, I've, I've walked on many of the bridges. <laughs> no, but like, here's, here's, here's a huge aha moment. Um, you know, I've gone through that journey from having no money whatsoever, you know, um, and you know, that's, that's great income when you're a kid and you mow some lawns and you get to go down to a local, you know, sweet shop and buy your favorite ice cream. Like that's, that's a reward, yeah. right? Um, but income as you, you know, when you're in university and you know, you're used to living on, you know, ramen noodles and whatnot, you know, you get into your first job and you start earning fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. That's income, and that's great. Like yeah. from going from no money whatsoever yeah. and like living with your hand out to your parents, to um, to to that kind of money. You know, in your early twenties, that's fine, right? That that's right. income. That that income is good income and makes you feel good, but it's certainly not wealth. Right. And um, I think people confuse the difference between income and wealth. And then with uh, uh, the reason I brought up the, the house flipping thing is that is really high income. Like you're generating, yeah. in some cases, millions of dollars a year. Right. Sounds like a lot of money, right? It sounds like you're you're wealthy. Yeah. The bottom line is you're not wealthy yeah. um, because you generate that kind of income. Um, but the IRS are going to come in and take 30% of it. Right. And then you've got you've got your overheads just in your life um, you've got your overheads in your business you've got your overheads here there and everywhere and so and and then particularly running a business like a fix and flip business or any other business for that matter the as soon as the money comes in the money goes back out again to do your next deal you know to grow to buy assets to buy machinery to buy to employing people to buying cars right. to buying all of that kind of stuff. And so at the end of the year, you might see on a W-2 that you've earned a million dollars. 
And that's fantastic. That yeah, makes well, me f- where to go. That where makes me it? feel wealthy. Yeah. And then you know the IRS sends you a bill for three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. And you're like, okay, well, where's three hundred thousand dollars? You don't realize. And I've used this analogy um, throughout my life. You've heard me say it. Is that you know income um, from a W two job actually does land in your in your in, in in your bank account, right? Now it sits there, and you know if you're in your twenties, and it's 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 a fair point. If you're in your twenties. You want to make sure that you're driving that nice car, you're wearing those nice clothes, you're going on those nice holidays, because you want to show that you know girl in high school that rejected you. You want to show, look, look, look at the car I'm driving look, when you go home to your home. Look at me now. Yep. Look at me now, right? Yeah. There's a there's a externality to to showing off. You know, yeah. you know, I'm doing well. I, I I totally get that. That that's that's something that people generally do with income, but I've very, very rarely seen it in the wealth building stages. People who are building wealth are very, very rarely showing this kind of, right. you know, externality and this ego driven, you know, purchasing. So I very rarely see people on the wealth journey doing that. Yeah. I see people on the income journey doing it and I see people post wealth right. doing it. So when people are, they're done. They're, they've made it. They can, you know, blow all the money they right. want in the world. And we will go. And that's really what this, again, what the podcast is, is about, is how do you go from that, you know, mid-level W-2 earner to being an investor, to growing wealth, to growing life-altering wealth and income. So that is, um, we want to make sure, don't confuse income with, with wealth. wealth. Um, because when you have high income, um, the music is going to stop at some point in time. The macroeconomic right. environment is going to stop. Um, a business partner could leave yep. your business or, or, or an employee could leave your business. Something very important could happen that instantaneously disrupts income. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're left very financially vulnerable. And financial vulnerability is, is usually what drives a lot of very successful people. Even when they are successful, they still feel unsuccessful. And, I, and I've seen that a lot. And what, what we want to try and get across to, to people is to harness and always feel that you're financially vulnerable. Don't think because you're earning $200,000 that you're you know, in a W-2 job that you're indestructible. You're probably not. And we talked about this earlier on, is when you go into an office, how many, how many 55 or 65-year-olds are in the office? Yeah. Think about it. Not very many. Right. Where are they? Where are all the 55 <laughs> and 60-year-olds? Where are they? Have they been rooted out? Or did they, you know, did they self, yeah. you know, deport here? Did, right. they, did they leave the company themselves? Were they, were they all, you know, were they all moved along unbeknownst to themselves? Are they all sitting on the beach in the Bahamas? And, and I, I think to your point is that, and to what I was saying earlier, is that you have a very finite amount of time in that high income producing income that you may or may not have, right? Or medium uh, producing income. So if, if you go into a typical office and there are not that many 55-year-olds and even less 60-year-olds, right? Does that mean that you, your, your prime earning opportunities, let's say in that W-2 job is probably from what, 35 to maybe 50, 55 tops, right? So you may only have about 15 or 20 years of, of prime earning potential. And the thing, and, and not to get political, but it's like, you know, a bit, there's always hot topics where it's, you know, discrimination. You know, you don't want to discriminate against this race, this this culture, this religion, whatever that looks like, right? But ageism is like, well, 
Kind of not, not really a big deal. Who's, who's out there protesting that, that Facebook doesn't have enough 60-year-olds working for their company? I, I haven't seen that protest yet. No, I haven't I, seen I, it. I, don't, either, I, don't, yeah. I haven't seen it. So because of that, then it's like because the 60-year-old doesn't know have a TikTok account, right, but the 35-year-old does, let's bring in the 30-year-old to, to work, is that you start to, to, to lose the value to society, right? Whether that's true or not, it's just kind of what happens. So, again, coming back to creating wealth is that the wealth is, is something that doesn't care how old you are. It doesn't care what you look like. And, and that's what we ultimately want to be able to bring to you, the listener, is how do we start getting into that journey of creating wealth? So I, I think that there are certain things that, that we can do. So, so David, tell me a little bit about some of the ideas that, that you have in terms of, let's talk about the income side, right, versus the wealth side as to maybe some things that people think that they're going to get with income, but really it's not true and it's really more on the wealth side. And let's talk about it. Um, there is a concept that I, I'm going to generate myself is that I want you to like literally think about it in, in this simple way. You've got like Income Island and Income Island is where you and everyone else goes and makes money every week or every month. And you go to your job and you're around other people and they're all advancing their careers and it's all got that. That's Income Island. Okay. And then you have these stepping stones across a river, a deep river, and you need, and on the other side of that river is Wealth Island. Okay. And that's, you know, just to, you know, put a, a physical place on it. Let's call it, you know, Southern California. Okay. Let's call it San Diego, or let's call yeah. it Malibu, right? Okay. And so when you go to Malibu, um, you will see, you know, the older folks, they're generally, it's, it, it, very few 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds own a $10 million mansion in Malibu or Brentwood. Any of these, you know, very few people are there yet. And so Income Island is your opportunity to put those stepping stones in the river right. over to Wealth Island. Now, if you spend all your income in your life and you keep on upgrading your life, right. you get married, you buy the nicest cars, you get the nicest houses, and so you continue to go to your job every day, and you, you know, contribute, you know, a, a smart person at that point will contribute to a 401k, but you'd be amazed how many millions of people don't. They don't see it that way. Yeah. They just, their income, they live paycheck to paycheck. Right. And so, um, and that's, I've seen, I've seen people earning three, $400,000 a year live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Sure. There'd be under no illusion that that's kind of a low income right. statement, this, yeah. this paycheck to paycheck thing. Paycheck to paycheck um, can be at any income level. Um, and this is people who just don't understand um, that one day they will be older or that one day that that job, they're age out of it. You know, right. one day they'll get too expensive yeah. for, their, for their boss. One day they'll walk in the door and we're talking about burn your boats. In our previous podcast, we talked about it where burn your boats is about you deciding to burn your boats. But there's a lot of times in your life where somebody else will burn your boats for you. Whether you like it or not. Whether you not yeah. like it or not. And so it is incumbent on you when you're in Income Island to put those stones into the river so that you, those stepping stones into the river, so that you can make your way over to Wealth Island. Yeah. And on Wealth Island, you don't really have to care. Right. There's no more financial anxiety. You've rid yourself of financial anxiety. And so there's... Let, this podcast we're going to talk about, well, what we're real estate guys, and we both went into real estate to do both of these things. We went into real estate, number one, to create income, right, to generate. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people go to real estate first and foremost. So let's be clear. What is that? Like a realtor goes to real estate to make income. An engineer 
goes to real estate to get a job as an engineer. Right. Uh, a flipper goes to real estate to make his first couple of hundred thousand. Um, and, this, and then they very, very quickly, if you're you know, are a, a lender or a mortgage broker, and they can build businesses around these things. But it is amazing, absolutely amazing how many flippers I know, how many realtors I know, how many mortgage brokers who own large mortgage companies, and they have got a front row seat in outside of you know, equities and maybe a, a you know, bond strategy right. um, and real estate and building a business. That, that, they're, they're the three areas of, of, of wealth creation. They're the three, you know, from what I can see, they're the, they're, they're the three areas where you can leverage yourself the most. But it's amazing to me how many people have a front row seat. They service wealthy people all day long. They deal with wealthy people. They make, they, they make commissions or crumbs off wealthy people. They, have a, they can see it. Yeah. And yet in their own lives, they don't do it. Yeah. And this podcast is about understanding that if you want to live a life, you know, from let's say 55 onwards on your own terms, where you have all of your own time, to spend time with your kids, to spend time with your wife, to spend time out biking, hiking, skiing. If you want that time and you want the income to be able to do it, you know, it, it, it's imperative that you understand that in your early life, in your 20s and in your 30s, you need to be planting those seeds. So that's where we're going. Yeah. And that's my view on income is not wealth. Income is simply the ability to play the game and put the stones in the river. It's, it's ironic because as someone I've, I've been fixing and flipping since 2015, and, it, it's, and to your point, I know so many fix and flippers, uh, so many wholesalers that are constantly trading real estate, and they call themselves a, a real estate investor. And I'm like, you're just buying something at X and, and selling it for Y. Like, that's just trading commodities, right? It doesn't matter if you work for a, a business sure. and you're a sales guy. You, you, and you, you, you upset. Yeah, you can sell chickens, right? Yeah. So are you an investor in chickens if you sell, if you, if you, uh, sell right. chickens? Yeah. And, and so it's, it's funny because it's like, I think that when we think that the listener that's going to listen to this podcast maybe isn't someone in real estate, but ironically enough, I think the guy that's the fixer and flipper, that's the wholesaler, that's the realtor, needs to be listening to this more than anyone because they have a front row seat to see the market in a very uh, timely basis, to see potential deals that come about it, but they never keep anything. And if you don't keep it and you're constantly selling it and taking the commission, taking the profit from that flip and, and not reinvesting in something that's more passive, you're no better off than, than the person that's just working for the W-2 position. I mean, that, that's, the, that's kind of my, my theory is that you are not an investor. You're not you, an investor at all. There, there's, I've, I've come across this. You know, I, 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 I see it all the time. I see 55, 60-year-olds, 65-year-olds. And it's, it's quite sad. You know, I'm out there and I'm trying to buy a deal and I meet a realtor or a broker, you know, or an agent or a wholesaler. And they're like 55, 60, 60, 70. I've, 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 yeah. I've frequently get met by 70-year-olds. And, you know, you, you scratch the surface and you realize like they've been in real estate for 30 years. And, and I like just very politely, I'd always, you know, yeah. say, do you, do you own any real estate yourself? Or, you know, like, no, no, I, I just never I just never did. It's fascinating to me. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, today's podcast is about understanding that when you're on Income Island, it's very temporary. Right. Yes. To your point earlier on. And volatile. Right. And volatile. Yeah. It's subject to you can get into a car crash. Right. Horribly. Yep. You know what I mean? That's, that's a horrible thing to think about, but it could happen. You could, um, 
You piss off your boss. You, you could, piss off your boss. Yeah. Your, your boss could change. Right. Your boss could literally just go to a different job and somebody new comes right. in and that person doesn't like the color of your hair. Yeah. You know, that could happen to you. A macroeconomic cycle. Technology. Any of these things can come in to yep. upset your, you know, your order that we talked about in the last have, podcast. Have you, have you heard about AI taking any jobs? Is that a, something that you may have heard of in the, in the past? You know, that, get, you, let's use that as an example. Yeah. And so that, it is, it is always no that if you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s and you're listening to this podcast, the chances of you being in that role that you're in now, 10 years from now, pretty slim. Yeah. Right? And I've had thousands of conversations with investors. And I typically, they start coming on stream, the really, really plugged in where I'm, I'm, I'm really, I really admire them, that these young folks come in and they're 31, 32, 33, they're doing well in their jobs, and they come in and they meet me, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give you my whole day. I, am, I so respect that you have walked in yeah. the door, and you're thinking about investing, delaying gratification, and that you understand that there's forces at play that you can control, and there's forces at play that you cannot control. You cannot control the macroeconomic cycle. You cannot control a boss. You can't, and, and, and it's very rare that somebody 31, 32, 33 comes in the door and says, I want to invest for when I'm 55. Yeah. They, you know, so many people are out there, they're trading equities or buying Bitcoin or they're right. doing some other income generate. That that's, again, generating income. It's not generating wealth. What wealth is, wealth is when you have assets that are increasing in value if you really do anything or not every year at a certain rate, right? And so your net worth is always growing. Right. Simply because valuations are changing, amortizations are changing, you're getting huge tax breaks on your income, right? And wealth is also where the cash flow that your assets throw off exceeds your expenses or pays your expenses. So think about this. A job does three or four things for you. It, every year, it pays your taxes, it pays your expenses, and it leaves you a little bit left over to invest. If you're smart, right. that's what a job does. Pays your taxes, pays all your expenses, a little bit over for you to invest. You invest in equities or whatever right. else you do. A real estate portfolio does exactly the same thing. It depreciates and so eliminates your taxes. Number one. Number two, the income from it, when you have enough of it, pays for all of your expenses. And the fact that you own it and that other people are paying down your mortgages, and that the inflation is driving valuations and rents higher every year, you're already investing. Right. So a real estate portfolio very much mirrors a high-income job if you have enough of it. That's a powerful thing to think about. It is. And, and I want to I quantify this, because I think it's good you know, in terms of talking high level, but I think it's good to be able to quantify things in real numbers. So I want to give you an example is that when I got out of college, my first job, I think I made $35,000 a year. Okay. Got it. And then I bought my house that I lived in. Okay. So I, now I put a roommate in, right. And I literally, my expenses were like $500. So I wasn't making any money, but I was keeping my expenses a little bit lower. Okay. So if you want to look at it in terms of 
active income, right, your job, versus how much passive income you're getting from these stepping stones that you were talking about on um, going from income island to wealth island, right? It was basically zero. I was basically making no money. And then let's say that I bought my next house, right? And let's say I was maybe making 100 or $200 a month, plus I was still keeping my expenses fairly low. So the percentage difference between my active income was probably 97% active and maybe 2 or 3% passive, right? So now let's get into a time machine, right? That was when I was 22 years old. I'm now 40. Uh, and I asked myself, I said, how much money do I make an hour? How much money do I make flipping houses, doing active things where I have to wake up every morning and I have to put on my pants and I have to make, sh you know, make deals happen just like anyone else does when they go to their job, right? And I just did some quick math and it's probably not exact, but I was making around 200 to $250 an hour for my active income for 2022, okay? okay? Then I looked and I said, all right, how much money am I making? You know, fast forward 18 years later, I have, you know, 30 plus properties, right, that, yeah. I, that I own. I never bought them all at once. I just organically would buy one wait a year or two, live in it potentially, buy another one, right? And so I did the math and I'm making $937 an hour on my passive income that I spend probably three or four hours a week on versus my full-time job that I spend 40 to 50 hours a week on. It's eye-opening. So it started out, but again, to my original point is the delayed gratification, right? If I would have just said, oh, I'm only going to make $200 on a property, right? That means that I'm making 98% of my income is through active and I'm only making 2% through passive. And you said, oh, it's not worth it, right? At that point, yeah, you're right. It's not worth it. But if you keep delaying the gratification, if you stay consistent and you keep doing it, now I'm making $937 an hour on my passive, low stress, low maintenance, uh, like we'll call it business, and I'm still only making 200 to $250 an hour where I have to give all my blood, sweat, and tears, all my energy. It's stressful. It's this. It's that. What if, if I could go back and tell myself, hey, you're going to make $937 an hour. Uh, it's just going to take you 10, 15, 20 years to get to it. I think if I told that to anyone, a lot of people would be able to see the delayed gratification as to why you should do that. But you don't know that at that time. And that's where the delayed gratification comes in is there is a little bit of risk, right, at the end of the day. But I don't know about you, $937 an hour feels pretty damn good from not having to work that hard. And guess what's going to happen in two years? It's going to be $1,157 right. a year. It's going to compound. And so do I really care if I make $300 an hour or $275 an hour in 2023? I'd like to make $500 an hour. But if I don't, I don't care because it's compounding. And I'm not having to work any harder. I'm not having to put in new kitchens because it's all working, on, working for me. Well, there is an actual formula for that, Clark. Like, I can tell you with almost precision accuracy how wealthy you will be in 20 years time if you invest a certain way and a certain method that we're going to talk about in episode three of our podcast where we're going to talk about how does this work um, how do you accurately predict that you will have x wealth and x income you know 10 15 and 20 years from now can't wait to get to that yeah, episode but for today the big question that a lot of people have asked me over the years clark has been um you know the reason why we stay on, like, well, let's stay with the concept of Income Island. We have to live on Income Island. We do. Because we're not, like, very few of us are born wealthy. There are some out there. If you're born wealthy, you know, well done you. Yeah, right? that's off. You know, <laughs> um, the other great way of making income so that you can create wealth is by owning a business. Or you can have a very high income job, but very few of us get to be the CEO of large organizations. Right. There are some of us out there, if you're listening to this and you know, you're getting wealthy in, a, in your job and you've got you know, major stock options, and if you're that guy, you're the exception, not the rule, right? And even then, 
you know, the tax man's going to love you, yeah. right? And so the, 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 the ways that I've seen most of my clients over the years make money. Now, remember, I deal with wealthy people, as you do too. And they come to me you know, typically around 44, 45, 46. They typically have a, a, a decent-sized business going. It's not a multi-billion dollar business because, you know, right. most businesses are small. Um, they typically are doing pretty well in their lives. And they come to me at, you know, as I say, 44, 45. But how did they get there? Because you need money to invest in real estate. Let's be clear about this. There's a lot of people out there like, oh, no money down or use this method or that method. Or, you know, you can just invest in real estate out of thin air. Got a lot of hocus pocus right. out there. And, you know, we want to be authentic yeah. in this podcast. We want to kind of make sure that people understand that there are creative ways to do it. Um, it is possible, but it is, it, it, that's a lot of work. It's very rare. It course. is very rare. I, I very rarely see people come to me who um, have used a no money down strategy yeah. in the past. So let's talk about, you know, ourselves. I can tell you, um, you know, from being my, my early career, I was a construction project manager. That's, that's my right out of college. That's right. what, what I worked at. And I used to, you know, build a lot of schools and, and big public works, hospitals and, and the like. And one of the things I noticed when I was, you know, in my, in my, this is in my twenties and I would notice the stress that contractors would have when they would come in and they're always chasing payment. Right. You know, like oh, I need to get paid today. And, you know, my boss would walk out and say, well, you know, we're waiting to get paid from the, you know, from the client. So when we get paid, you get paid and then you can pay your, your, your staff. And that kind of stuck with me. I would see these guys, high blood pressure walking in the yeah. door. And sometimes from time to time, you'd hear a really sad story that they, they didn't make it. Right. You know, just the stress burned them up, yeah. you know. And so very early on in my life, I witnessed this. I was like, always work with cash businesses. If you can, if you're starting out, you know, get paid on the delivery of service. Yeah. You know, so you're not chasing big, um, big invoices because somebody bigger than you, somebody wealthier than you can lure you in, you know, with a small contract, you know, a decent sized contract, lure you in and then not pay you on a big contract. And I've seen that hundreds of times. And then it wipes you out. It wipes yeah. you out, wipes you, you've, you've filed for bankruptcy, you can't pay anybody. Yeah. So when you're starting out, let's talk about Income Island. We, we've discussed having a W2 job, but right. let's talk about business now. Um. I did it myself and I, I highly recommend because as you grow and as your income grows or as your business grows, you can start to take on a little bit more risk. But on, you know, cash on delivery services are fantastic. You know, online sales, right. people reserve something, they pay you, yep. you send them the item, yep. you know, um, a store, you, sandwich shop, right. you know, they come in, they buy a sandwich, they give you cash. And what's great about that is you can always pay your bills. Yeah. You can always pay your staff. And if the cash doesn't come in, you can very quickly see cash didn't come in this week. I need to let somebody right. go or I need to cut back yep. on this, that or the other. But it's important. I think, you know, own cash when you're starting out, own a cash businesses. I, I, I think that, that that's a great way to move forward. Right. Um, also, understand that when you're starting out in real estate, that there is, you're almost certainly going to have to, and when I say starting on real estate, I'm talking about, you got the realtor, the realtor is working for commission. So the realtors doesn't need money other than their living expenses. But when you start getting into flipping houses, or you get into even wholesaling houses, so that is a way you can make money in real estate without 
putting any money down. You right. can go out and you can hustle for a contract and then you can get a house on a contract. You can run out onto the street. You can put it on an investor lift or you can you know, go to another wholesale. But, I, but I, would, I would push back to, to what you had said earlier about that there's no such thing as a zero down. And there's always the exception, but I know as starting out as a wholesaler, like to get people say all the time, just go out and find like a good deal. And it's like, we just wave our magic wand around and just good deals fall from the sky only for me, but not you or, or, or Tyler or, or anyone else. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you have to be able to set up some sort of systems. You have to set up marketing campaigns. This stuff isn't free. Like these subscription services that you get for a CRM to be able to do it and to buy a list and to be able to send them a message, whether it's a piece of mail or a text or whatever that is, or pick up the phone and call, none of that is free. So again, coming back to the reality of all, I just, you know, I hear a lot of BS out there um, and, and it's like, do this, it's free, you know, get rich quick. Oh, I, you, you see a, 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 I see it all the time on Facebook groups where you'll see a, a, a picture of a HUD statement where I just made $86,000 in 30 days because I, I put this house under contract and I, and I flipped it over to you and you paid me an $80,000. But what about all the things behind it to get to that? What about the five months where you didn't get the $86,000 deal and you made, you made no money, so you had rent, right? Your landlord doesn't care if you didn't get that wholesale deal or that rental commission or, hey, I just sold this million-dollar house and I got $30,000. But what about the other five months? What about all the systems that you had to pay for to get to that point? So to, to understand is that when I see these things where it's like I bought this house with zero down, I made this $40,000 check, is it – that is not that. That is the filter. That is a, a damn Instagram filter that's put on a financial yeah. filter that's put on it. What they're not showing you is, is everything behind it. So I just wanted to make one to put that point out there. So just uh, that's a great. It's a it's a point well taken, and, yeah. and, and, and I agree. So just understand because um, we're going to try and wrap up a little yeah. bit today about that. You know, earning income, whichever way you do it, through, you know, through a job through a small business, we all have to start out somewhere, right. for sure, because we've yep. got to pay our bills. Yep. The goal is that you take what's left over and you invest it, and in our case, it's going to be through real estate, and we're going to have a lot of conversations about that and how that works. You invest it, and then one day, when you are 45 or 50 or 52 or 53, you, when you feel that your job, because a lot of people have at that age, when you're, the, when you're the oldest guy in the office and you're 43 or 44 or 45 and you see your friends or your colleagues and they're moving off here, they're moving off there, they're moving out to, do, to live, in a, live in the countryside with their wife or they're doing this, they're usually people who have figured this out early in their yeah. lives. And when you know, you're the last guy there and you're 45, you're 46, 47, you see the younger guys in the office, they're cheaper, they stay later, all that kind of stuff. That creates an awful lot of anxiety. And in the hundreds, if not thousands of conversations I've had with investors, it's right there when people get most desperate. Yeah. When they come in and they, they realize, I haven't really planned for this. I thought I was doing fine. I was earning $250,000 a year by anybody's stretch or by anybody's um, expectations. That's a great life. Right. It's a great lifestyle. I have... 650,000 or 800,000 in my 401k. I thought that that was enough, but now I'm 48. I, I think I'm going to get fired soon. Yeah. Or I just don't have the energy to go in there anymore. I don't even want to go in. You know, if you're in the technology world, you've got to be constantly <laughs> keeping on top <laughs> right. of that business. You got to, your, your skills can entropy away in, in a year. Yeah. And so, you know, know that there's a reason there's no, very few 65-year-olds, maybe one or two managers. But outside of that, everyone's gone. Where are they? 
Where are they gone? They've have they been fired? Have they been let go? Have they been, you know, did they did they did they retire? Have they done it on their own terms, or have they left in a forced way? And so that is that in itself is incredible financial anxiety to realize in your, you know, forty five, forty six. You still have time. Yeah. That's that's an important part to understand. When you're forty five, you're forty six. You now have the means because when you're twenty and you're earning income, you know you might only have if you're on fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year and your cost of living is fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. You don't have anything left over to invest. So there is a sweet spot right. where you need to keep your expenses when you're in uh, when you're on Income Island. You need to keep your expenses and your lifestyle. Down yeah. as much as you possibly can. You need to be putting money aside so that you can invest in assets that appreciate over time. And, and then, over time, those assets start to throw off income. And you can do whatever you want yeah. with that income. And that's why when you go to Malibu, I use this as an example because I have friends out there. You know, you cannot tell. These wealthy people, they drive around in whatever cars they want. Right. They're old. They're usually old. <laughs> because it takes a lifetime yeah. to earn the income or build a business. It takes a lifetime. The idea, you don't see 25-year-olds. It's rare. You know? Right. Let's just put those guys. There, there are people out there yeah, who get course. there. But it's rare. The, 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 the folks you see in a $15 million homes are folks who work their butts off their whole lives. And now they don't care. Right? They have no financial anxiety whatsoever. Yeah. But they started off on Income Island. And they were working and they invested in real estate, they invested in stocks, or they invested in their business. But they took all of that spare money that, you know... Could be the, spent on boats, it could be spent on a lot of things that are not, that are liabilities. They yeah. took all of those liability, all of that money that are essentially liabilities, like you say, right. and they spent it on egotistical things, our life career. Yeah. The people who make it across to Wealth Island are the people, instead of buying a boat, they buy a stone and they yeah. throw it in the river. Yeah. But it's very, very important to understand. And this is our conclusion. This is our takeaway. We're going to wrap up now. If you are earning income in your 20s, save. If you are in your 30s, start educating yourself now about investing. It's so important that you plant those seeds because those little seeds will grow up to be, to be redwoods. Right. And if you plant enough of them, you can have a redwood forest at your disposal. Yeah. And you can, and you may be living on that bluff in Malibu, yeah. you know, with, you know, with your tracksuit on, <laughs> where you don't have to really care about what anyone else thinks. You're just living life completely on your own terms. And so just know, W2, W-2 income, it's usually salar- salary capped. Right. A business, you it's, can make as much as you want. It's salary capped. It's capped on age. It's capped on a lot of things. It, it, That's it, right. It's, there's always going to be a certain amount of stress. There's always going to be a certain amount of energy that it's going to always going to need from you at all times. And what happens when your kids are pulling at you and they want that energy and you're like, no, 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 no. If I give you this, that much energy, I'm, I'm, I'm going to even make my career potentially even less, right, where I may get pushed out even sooner. So there, there's a lot of things. So let's, let's wrap up. I always, I, you know, I'm the worst at going to a mastermind, at going to listen to a, a speaker talk, right? And I have like a, a pad full of notes. And I have all these notes, and I'm so excited, and I go back on Monday, and what's the first thing I do? I start fighting fires again on my, my own job, right? So sometimes it's almost better to just have like one thing, like one takeaway or two takeaways I can take. I'll take all the notes, and I'll put those in a Google Drive file yeah. somewhere, but one or two things that 
I can li- like, literally turn this podcast off and turn around and go make an action right now. Got it. So talk to me about yours and I'll give you mine. Okay. So understand that income um, is usually temporary. So mindset, right. So okay. how do we change the mindset? The, the, no, no, it, that's not even a mindset. It's usually factual. Yes. Um, the income and the income that you're enjoying today is usually temporary in that either something will happen with that income stream or something will happen with you yep. and that you just don't want to do it anymore. I know a lot of people in their 40s that started off being surgeons. Yeah. And they're not surgeons anymore because yeah. they just can't do it. They can't deal with the stress or the anxiety. Right. There's a huge amount of burnout. If you're in a high income job, the chances out are high that it's a burnout yeah. world. And so the more money that you earn, the higher up the ladder you go, the more chance you're going to burn out. And I just see it all the time. Understand that. So understand equally that assets can work harder than you can. Yeah, absolutely. Understand that. And they work 24-7. Uh, seven days a week, yep. 360. Yep. Right now, while we were recording this podcast, both of us got paid. Yep. Probably a lot of money. Yep. Just sitting here. Not $937 an hour. There you go. <laughs> mind, Probably yeah. something like that. But that's just right. Yeah. So, and then, and that's happening all the time. Yeah. And so understand that delayed gratification, I know that it is hard and I know that it is difficult to see two years in the future, five years in the future, 20 years in the future. It seems so distant. There's an awful lot of people in the world who really think about next month, maybe, but I'm 52 and 32 was... Yesterday, 10 minutes yeah, ago, yeah. Like literally like that 20 years just goes. And so what's beautiful about putting those stones in the river is that you're not rich yet. Understand that yes. this, the taking those stones and putting them in the river, they don't make you rich, but combined and over time. And as, as, as they compound one day, you will wake up and you realize, screw this. Yeah. I don't need to do this job anymore. I don't need this business anymore. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that fire anymore. Right. I don't, don't want to deal with that boss anymore because I know what my expenses are and I have enough income to cover those expenses. Right. Maybe by two, maybe by three. And, and not only is it income covering all my expenses, but the equity, the asset value versus what the debt is. You know, I had, I put aside, I put 20% in this $400,000 building, let's say I bought a, you know, put $100,000 down. That $400,000 building now, 15 years from now, is completely paid off. Right. I have no debt on it. And it's worth $1.2 And I put $200,000 or $100,000 down. Right. I, that, the that's it. That? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's insanely magic. So understand that if you want to live life on your own terms, when you are getting to that point, inevitably getting to that point in life where you're just going to want to have other options. You're not going to want to work every day. You're not going to want to have to deal with a boss anymore. You know, fill in all those spaces for yourself personally. But one day, you're going to want to use your precious energy on your kids or go, go skiing right. or learn new things. So the takeaway today is if you are on Income Island, know it's temporary. Take some of that income, put stones in the river, and get yourself to Wealth Island because Wealth Island is where you can live your absolute best life. So, and, and I'm glad you brought up a couple of things and I'll, I'll be brief with, with kind of my takeaway, my challenge to you listening to this is that if you are in your 20s, if you are in your 30s and you, 
want to be able to start putting those stones in the water, right? I am not very good at saying, well, in 10 years, I want to own this many houses or I want to have this type of business, but I am good at figuring out just the next step. And it's like, if you can just take the next step, I have no idea what five years looks like for me or you or anyone else listening or 10 years, but I do know what I can impact tomorrow, right? And so I would challenge you listening to this right now is you can do one thing and it's, and it's not that difficult is go out. If you're renting a house right or renting a place right now is to take the steps to own your first house. Okay. Now you may already live in a nice house that, that, that you like and, and everything, Figure out the next step to buy the next house. And key thing, do not sell the first house. You have to hold on to that. Now, what you're not going to get is because you might be holding on to that first house, you might not be able to buy the, the most amazing forever house that you're going to live in, right? That's called delayed gratification, right? Is that you can't necessarily have it all at once. But I challenge you listening to this that if you have said, okay, I want to start planting the, the, the stones in the river to get to Wealth Island, it starts with just owning your own house by not renting anymore and if you already own one house is that delay your gratification do not sell the first house you know it it's going to be easy to rent out you understand the house and then buy the next one that's it like that's if you could just walk away from this saying all right i'm not going to rent in 2024 i'm not going to do that i'm going to go out and take action to whatever it is and we'll get into further episodes i've already uh, plotted out a way for you to buy a house with eight percent interest rates with all this competition I've got ideas for you that, you know, in the, in the coming episodes. So please, if you take one piece of advice, just go out and buy another property or stop renting and buy your own house. That's it yourself. Uh, go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. It's kind of like the foundation yeah. uh, for everything we've talked about today. Yeah, if you haven't read that book, it's an absolute you know, must do. Yeah. Um, people come into me all the time, Clark, and they've asked me to mentor them. And, you know, I've said to, I've literally sent them with homework. I've said, go read Rich Dad Poor Dad and come back and listen to 100 episodes <laughs> of the Bigger Pockets podcast yep. and then come back and talk to me. Guess how many people come back to me after they've done both of those things? I'm going to go with a big donut. Yeah, you got, yeah, you got yeah. a big donut. Yeah. So very few people want to put in the work. Okay. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you, guys. Let's take action. Have a great day. Which You've been listening to the Burn Your Boats podcast with Clark Lunt and David Shaw. We would love to hear from you. Please reach out at burnyourboatswealth.com with comments, questions, and if you have a topic you would like Clark and David to discuss on an upcoming episode. We would very much appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review Burn Your Boats podcast on your favorite podcast listening app, and make sure to follow and share on social media. Content in Burn Your Boats podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not legal or financial advice. Please review our legal disclaimer at burnyourboatswealth.com. Thank you for listening.